fall, y'all. Good to see you this morning. We are so blessed. It's been such a beautiful week. If this is your first time visiting us, we'd love to get to know you. And we've set up a couple platforms that you can do that. You can go in the atrium to the welcome desk. Someone would love to help you fill out a card and answer any questions that you, you might have. Also, digitally, you can put in the phone number, text 904-441-6900, and that will give you a digital uh, connect, and put the word connect, and that'll take you to a digital connect card, and you can fill that out as well. And also, that's a great place for you to put prayer requests. You can put that in your bulletin, your paper one, or you can put that on the digital. And we'd love to pray with you. Um, whatever's going on in your life and you need prayer, please do that. We'd love that. And also, for your bulletin, if you want more information during the week, you can put the word in the same phone number, put in the word news, and that will take you there as well. Just a couple things, you know, fall is here and a couple things happen. Our women's uh, luncheon that we do every year annually is November the 5th and we uh, started ticket sales today. So I just encourage you to either talk with the hostess or come by and get a ticket from us. We'd love to do that. Also, uh, Operation Christmas Child and that is the boxes that are out in the atrium. Get a couple of those. I encourage you to send the, fill those up with kids. It's so much fun to go and shop for a little boy or a little girl. I encourage you to go get a box or two and do that also. One more exciting thing this morning at 1140 on the second floor, 200 and 201, our quilting ministry will be having an open house. We have been so blessed to put two ministries together. One was quilting and one was sewing quilting. And we put them together and God has been so gracious and it's just an awesome ministry. And they wanna share with you what's going on and just kind of show you where God has been working and encourage you if you'd like to quilt and start that, go see them as well. Um, also, I am just praying for you this week as we go forward and see what God is gonna do, exciting, wonderful blessing things for each one of us. Thank you. Good morning, church. Good morning. Some of you were not expecting to see me. I said this last time, I'll say it again. I wasn't expecting to see you either today. <laughs> but here we are. Um, next week, I actually am planning on being in here to lead worship. So hopefully it'll be better. But um, just so you guys know, Pastor David... Um, for a few weeks now, he's been dealing with a hurt back, um, and he went to the, the doctor this week and found out that he has pneumonia. So be praying for Pastor David um, that he can get better. He has started his antibiotics, and we are wishing him well. But with that, it's time to keep going. So King David wrote, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Let's stand and do the same thing. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty.
of his constant care for us. And just one of the many ways he cares for us is by being present with us. In the 23rd Psalm, David writes of the blessing we receive as the sheep of the great shepherd.
To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. So our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn. My sins, they are many, his mercy is
Church, one of the things I'm so very grateful for for this body is how we help our community out in times of need and in crisis. Uh, this past week, uh, because of your faithfulness, because of your generosity, we were able to help out multiple families who were flooded or uh, lost their possessions at their home because of the hurricane. Uh, we were able to deliver clothes to kids who lost all their clothes. And so thank you for your giving. Thank you for your generosity and how you give and how you continually uh, be a part of reaching out to our community. Uh, this morning, if, if you came prepared to give and would like to give in honor, you can do so by using our giving boxes out in the vestibule or you can do so online. But I just want to pray for those offerings that God would continue to use them for his glory. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, we love you so much. God, we want to give you all glory and all honor. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness and how you continue to work. We pray for our community that was hit and impacted locally through the hurricane. But God, we also, uh, we pray for those uh, who are devastated by the hurricane in South Florida. And so, Lord, we lift them up to you. And Lord, as teams from this church go out into our local community and even out uh, to South Florida to help those in need, Lord, may you continue to use us to bless others for your glory and for your honor and for your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. still as she made her way to Jesus she stumbles through the tears that made her blind she felt such pain some spoken anger heard folks whisper there's no place here for her kind still she came through the shade that flushed her face until at last she knelt before his feet. And though she spoke no words, everything she said was heard as she poured her love for the master from the hearts of my praise on him like I from Mary's alabaster box. Don't be angry if I wash his feet with my tears and I dry them with my used to be 
Good to see all of you here today. I can't wait to see David back. <laughs> I can move into my comfort zone again. <clears throat> anyway, um, and, and I'm going to talk about comfort zones. You know, I'm, uh, you know, especially in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian, did anybody feel like they were pushed out of their comfort zone just a little bit? Whether you uh, left the island because you felt like you needed to or, or, or maybe you know someone that, that can't go back into their home, maybe you're that person. Uh, today, I think I have an ideal message for people pushed out of their comfort zones. I'm going to talk about the exile today, okay? I'm going to talk about captivity today. There was a time in the nation of Israel when the nation stormed in and they swept away the people of Israel. They, they just swept them away. Some of them never came back. And others, they came back, but when they came back, they were broken and they were changed. And that's what I want to talk about Today And in the passage I'm looking at, it's 2 Kings chapter 17. I invite you to go, through, go to 2 Kings chapter 17. And what we're doing this fall is we're going through the major stories, the major accounts 
of the Bible. So you can get a big picture of what the message of the Bible is, the whole story of redemption. And so here we are at exile, and we're wanting to, wanting to understand what does that mean for us today. And so in this passage, when it talks about Israel, it is talking about what is called the northern kingdom. See, we had King Saul, then we had King David, then we had King Solomon. But after King Solomon, the, the nation of Israel divided into two. And there was a northern kingdom that was called Israel. And there were 10 tribes uh, that were up there in the northern kingdom. And then there was a southern kingdom, and that was two tribes, the two tribes of Judah and Benjamin. And so there was Israel, and they called the southern kingdom Judah because Judah were most of the people there. So when it talks about Israel, most of the time it's talking about those, that northern kingdom in this passage. And, and just to give you a, a little bit of a background from last week when we talked about the kings, I know we did one week and we talked about all the kings of Israel. You say, how can we do that? Next week, next year, we're going to have a series. Next fall, it'll be a series on the kings of Israel, okay? So you just hold that. We're calling that series, Be Careful What You Ask For. Okay, but, but here, that'll be next fall. Okay, that's already planned out, but, but let me tell you something. Uh, during these centuries where there were kings in the nation of Israel, in the nation of Judah, that that was a time uh, when the nation went into gradual and just steady decline because they had rejected God as their king and tried to put people as, as the ones that they followed rather than God. So not saying there's a message for today, but there's a message for today, okay? And you can figure that out. But I'm starting in verse 14. Would you please stand with me in honor of God's word? This is a good passage to summarize spiritually why they went into exile. That's why I chose this passage. This is what it says. 2 Kings 17, starting at verse 14. But they would not listen, but were stubborn. As their fathers had been, who did not believe in the Lord their God. They despised his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and the warnings that he gave them. They went after false idols and became false. And they followed the nations that were around them concerning whom the Lord had commanded them that they should not do like them. And they abandoned all the commandments of the Lord their God and made for themselves metal images of two calves. And they made an Asherah and worshiped all the host of heaven and served Baal. And they burned their sons. You hear this? They burned their sons and their daughters as offerings, human sacrifice, and used divination and omens and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to angry. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. Not one was left but the tribe of Judah only. Lord Jesus. When we abandon you, Lord, there's no way your blessings can come on us. And Lord Jesus, I pray that we would learn the lessons of your people of the past. And Lord, embrace you more closely. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Wow. Wow. I want to pause here. I'm going to read the, the next two verses in just a moment. This is talking about that northern tribe, that northern, northern kingdom of Israel, those ten, those ten tribes there. Powerful, powerful words here. Um, historically, this happened 720 BC, 700 years before Christ. 
and the empire of Assyria, what came, they came in and they, what they did was they took people out and they put new people in and they deported the, the 10 tribes there of the Northern kingdom. And, and we know very little about what happened to them. They never returned. They never, ever, ever returned. This gives rise to the tradition of the 10 lost tribes of Israel. If you hear about the 10 lost tribes of Israel, this is the northern kingdom. This is what's happened. The Assyrians came in. They, they dispersed them all over, and, and no one knows whatever happened to them. They never returned. Uh, now, what about the southern kingdom? Let me read the next two verses. Judah, okay? And Judah's really talking about the tribes of Benjamin and Judah here. Judah also did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the customs that Israel had introduced. And the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel, inflicted them, and gave them into the hand of plunderers until he cast them out of his sight. So we see that all the descendants of Israel, all 12 tribes, the northern tribes, the southern tribes, they dealt with captivity because 120 years... 120 years in, in about 597, 596 BC, uh, that's when not the Assyrians, but the Babylonians came into the southern kingdom and they took the elite away and they, they took them over to Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. And then about 12 years later, 13 years later, 586 BC, they came in again, took some more people away and that's when they destroyed the temple. That's when they burned and sacked the temple, took a lot of the articles out of the temple. It's from that moment on, we have no idea where the Ark of the Covenant uh, came. Some of you may know where it is because you watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> but, but from a biblical perspective, we don't know what happened to it after 586 B.C. This is the Galut, G-A-L-U-T. This is the Galut. This is the captivity. If you're looking in the Bible, you want to find out about this, you'll probably find the captivity or being captive more often than you'll find the word exile. Okay, but it's the same thing. This is the, the captivity where, where God forced them into migration and forced them out of their comfort zone. Did you know that uh, this forced migration this uh, being in exile, it's a common theme in the Bible. It recurs over and over and over again. Adam and Eve, they were exiled from the Garden of Eden, right? Abraham, when the covenant was given, he was told, you need to leave the, the land of your fathers and your grandfathers. You need to leave that land. It wasn't for disobedience because God wanted to use him for a purpose, but there was a migration. There was a, a forced leaving and exile from his homeland. Joseph. Joseph was sent into exile into Egypt before the rest of the family got there. Uh, Moses lived his entire, his entire life in exile. And in the period of kings, it ends with the Babylonian captivity. So what can we glean from this? What does this mean for me today? Well, what I want to share with you, if you're a believer in Christ, know this. You're in exile right now. And if you're not a believer in Christ, you're in exile right now. Do you get that? Do you get that? We're not at home right now. We're in exile. The Bible tells us that. You know, physically, some of you are in exile and you feel like you can't go home because of the impact of Hurricane Ian. And then also, there are many of us, we're, not, we're in exile because we're not yet at our home in heaven. And there are others of you, you feel like you're in exile because maybe you're estranged or alienated from your relatives or your family. Maybe you're estranged from a husband or from a wife or from your uh, other family. Or you might feel like you're in captivity to your job. Anybody feel like you're captive to your job? You know? So ask yourself this question. Am I in exile? Am I estranged? And if I am, where do I feel alienated? How do I feel isolated? How do I feel like I'm alone? Okay? 
And what might I understand about this? How do I get past it? You see, as we're going through uh, this fall, we are storying through the Bible, and we're focusing on the idea of who God is. We're calling this series 517, where Jesus said in John 517, my father is working until now, and I'm working. And you know, uh, God, the God who's the creator, we saw God as creator in Genesis chapter 1. He's still creator. He hasn't changed. God doesn't change. He's creating right now new hearts and new lives, and maybe he's creating that new heart and new life in you today. We know that when sin entered into the Garden of Eden and uh, Adam and Eve were cast out, that God was the hope giver, said there's hope, though. There's hope. Well, God is still the hope giver. When God made the promise to Abraham, God is still a promise maker and a promise keeper. God is still our commander. We learned that about Moses. God is still the one who brings us victory. We learned from Joshua. And so what do we learn about the exile, okay? And this is what we learn about the exile in captivity and our God. Our God is still father to the captive. He is still father to the captive. You may feel alone. You may feel isolated. You may feel like you don't fit in with anybody else around you. But I want you to remember, the Lord is our father. Jesus told us that, okay? And he loves you. You are all precious children with him. Did you know that? Amen, Pastor Walter. Thank you. I didn't know if you were awake or not. Did you know exile is not his eternal destiny for you? That's not what he wants. He has something better. You see, in Christ, our destiny is home. Our destiny is heaven. That's our home. And and our destiny is to have a relationship with our Father, and that's God, okay? So I have a home. I know it's in heaven. I have a Father who's who's Lord over everything, but, but I'm in exile, okay? We're in exile. And so how do I thrive as I'm experiencing the trials and the pains of this life where we may not fit in exactly the best way? You know, and sometimes we feel that alienation because we've made bad judgments. We see that in the Bible. Poor judgments cause exile. But, but also we know that we may be in exile. We may be alienated because that's just the stage of life we're in. And God is using that stage of life to grow us like he did with Abraham. So, so no matter what it is, how do, we, how do we cope when the bad thoughts start entering into your mind? Does that ever happen to anybody else? You know you're doing God's will, but it, things are just not meshing and you just start thinking the bad thoughts? How do you deal with it? Well, here's some things I can glean from this passage. Verse 14, 2 Kings 17, verse 14. But they would not listen, but were stubborn as their fathers had been. They were stubborn. Stubborn. Do you know people who are stubborn? Do you know anybody who is stubborn? Okay. You know, people, they, they, they know with a shadow of a doubt. I mean, you know, people, they may not be right, but they are not in doubt. Okay? They are stubborn. Okay? Ladies, you can stop punching the guy next to you. I see that going on around the room. And not because of any particular conviction, just, just people that they don't want their, to bend their will to anybody else's authority or opinion. Well, the people of Israel were stubborn. They didn't want to bend their will. Uh, you know, when God gave his commandments, said, these are my commandments. These are what I want you to follow. And it says the people were stubborn. They said, I don't want to do that. God said, don't worship any other gods before me. And they said, I'll worship whoever I want to. And they put up false idols all throughout Israel. 
God said, don't be like the other nations around them. He told them to cleanse the land. They didn't cleanse the land. They said, we want to be like these people. We want to start acting like these people. We want to conform and fit in with the culture around us. Don't tell us how to live. In verse 14, it says they would not listen. They were stubborn. You know, if you're dealing with estrangement from God, here's my first thing I want to share with you. Don't be stubborn. Don't be stubborn. Bend my will to God's will. Bend my will to God's will. Now, every now and then people try to drag me into their theological discussions and arguments and things like that. Probably the one over the years that people try to drag me in all the time is this, is this question. Is, you know, people are saved. Is it because of God's sovereignty or because of our free will? I mean, I get dragged into that an awful lot. About twice or three times a year, people tell me, what, what is this between God's sovereignty and free will? And how do we navigate that thing? And can I tell you, let me tell you my first insight about this particular argument. It's a total waste of oxygen in the room. Okay, total waste of oxygen. And here's why. Here's why. Um, it's, it's like a how many angels dancing on the head of a pin can you get? You're not going to change anything by the argument. God is God, okay? Okay? And it's also, it's, it's an it's a argument where you're trying to say, help me understand God's sovereignty and free will. It's like trying to, trying to compare apples to concrete. Okay? Totally different concepts, okay? Here, here's the truth of the matter is God is sovereign, Bible tells God is sovereign. He does not change. He's in control of everything. God is sovereignty, and nothing threatens his sovereignty. And everything that's laid out is because God has a plan. Okay, so God is sovereignty. And then also, God gave us a will. He gave us a will. There's a point where, where he offers salvation. And when he offers salvation, we have to make a response. And that response is either to, uh, to receive the Lord or to reject the Lord. So we have to, now, but it's not free will. People say, Let's, is it God's sovereignty or free will? Well, can I share with you that your will is never free. Our will has never been free. It's either surrendered to God or it's enslaved to sin. I don't know any in a person's life when we're ever either not surrendered to the Lord in our will or enslaved to sin. So it's not really free will. It's, so the argument in itself is really not based on, on anything that's realistic. What we know is that God in his sovereignty, he offers opportunities for people to respond. And when we're offered an opportunity to respond, we have a choice whether we can respond or receive him or reject him. And we have to make that choice. And, and the question is not, is that God's sovereignty or, God's, or someone's will when they come to faith in Jesus Christ? The question is, when you're offered salvation in the name of Jesus Christ, say yes. That's the point. That's the point when you recognize the gospel and eternal life is being offered to you, that forgiveness of your sin is being offered to you, that at that point, you don't try to microscopically dissect how that's going to happen. Just say yes to the Lord. Let your will be bent to his. You know, because I know that uh, the most important thing in this argument of God's sovereignty and free will is I'm not trying to figure out exactly how it is. I want to find opportunities where God can use me to bring the gospel to somebody else because I want other people to say yes. That's where the water hits the wheel. Okay, now, why? Why? Well, I want people to receive blessings. And if you're stubborn, you can't receive the blessings of the Lord. Hosea 4.16 says, like a stubborn heifer, Israel is stubborn. Can the Lord now feed them like a lamb in a broad pasture? Like I said, said, Israel, you're a stubborn cow, okay? 
I can't feed the cow, I can only feed the sheep. You know, what's very interesting to me, in the last couple of years, people use the word sheep to, to say derogatory things about other people. I think that's so amazing. Because, you know, as Christians, we want to be sheep. We want to be his sheep, right? We want to be following him, you know? That, that's what we want to do. So it's amazing when people say, well, that person is just a sheep. Hey, I want to be a sheep. I don't want to be stubborn in the eyes of the Lord. I want to be following him. And, you know, uh, the picture, there's this stubborn cow. It won't go to the good pasture because it's stubborn. And it says here, like a stubborn heifer, Israel stubborn. Can the Lord now feed them like a lamb? Unless we are humble and we're willing to be led by the Lord. He's not going to bring us to the, to the place where we can get the food. The only one that gets the food is the one who's actually following the Lord to the pasture. And so this is the next point. I can't get fed. I can't be fed by God if I won't be led by God. I can't be fed by God if I won't be led by God. You know, I know there are a lot of people, they're starving for the blessings of the Lord, but I know a lot of starving, stubborn people, and they don't want to be led by God. If you want to be blessed by God, if you want to be blessed by God, let him lead you, okay? Let him lead you. Let's move on here. Verse 16 says, and they abandoned all the commandments of the Lord their God. The people that went into exile, they abandoned the commandments. They didn't just neglect them. They abandoned them. There's an intentionality there, okay? You know, uh, and, and it goes through and gives all these examples about what they did. It says they made for themselves two calves. Do you remember back in the book of Exodus? There was a place when Moses was up on Mount Sinai. He was getting the Ten Commandments. And by the time he came down, after those days and days and days up on that mountain, he came down and his brother Aaron, the high priest, had made a metal calf for them to worship, a golden calf. Well, the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom, they didn't have one golden calf. They had two. They were doubling down on their disobedience. Okay. It says, it says, and they worshiped all the host of heaven. Do you remember what the word of God says? It said, thou shalt have how many other gods before me? Five, six? None. None. Yeah, but, but they, they, they worshiped the host of heaven. They served Baal, a false god. Uh, and it says that they, they made an Asherah. Now, in Canaanite mythology, that false, that false god, Baal, his mother's name was Asherah. And they would put up these totem pole type things, these poles, and they would go up there and worship. And Asherah was a goddess of fertility. And so there's quite a lot of immorality that was uh, associated with that. And we don't know where all the places were, but we do know that in the city of Samaria, Area, there is an Asherah pole. We know in Bethel there is an Asherah pole. We know that there is one even in Jerusalem. So there's this false worship going on. They worship multiple false gods. And then, then in verse 17, and they burned their sons and their daughters, child human sacrifice. If you look in the Bible, you read, look for this word Molech, M-O-L-E-C-H, Molech. Molech is a, a pagan god, and it was a pagan god where they would, they would give child infant sacrifices in order to get good crops. And so evil side, they didn't just neglect God's word, they abandoned God. And here's the point I want to make. God removed him from his sight. He removed him from, he removed them from his good favor. When I abandon God, God's blessings abandon me. God doesn't, God doesn't abandon me. God's blessings abandon me. You know, there, there are some blessings that are, we call general blessings. And those general blessings, those are things like the rain falls on the good and the bad. That's general blessings, okay? The sun rising today, that was a general blessing. That's a blessing that everyone's going to take part in. But, you know, the, the best blessings, the blessings that bring hope in our hearts and peace to our souls, the best blessings come from putting us ourselves in a place where we can receive the, the blessings of the Lord. We're putting ourselves under the protection of the Lord's favor. And it comes when we don't abandon God. 
It means when we follow God and when we seek him. You know, I know people who are mad at God for not blessing them, but they don't want to follow God, okay? God wants to bless you. He wants to bless me, okay? And that's why Jesus came. Do you remember the night when Jesus was born? Do you remember the Christmas story? And an angel said, you know, peace on earth, goodwill to men on whom God's favor rests. God wants to bless us, okay? And so in our personal exile here on earth, we're alienated. We're not there yet. We're not in heaven yet. But how do I find the blessings of the Lord? Well, let me share with you how to find the blessings of the Lord. It doesn't come from trying to find the blessings. It comes from trying to find the Lord. You find the Lord and the blessings will follow. Okay? Find the Lord. When I'm in him, when I become aware of his presence, when I trust in his will, when I rely on his power, then I trust in him to bring whatever blessing he's going to give me. Okay? And he doesn't give the same sorts of blessings to everybody. But I don't follow the blessings. I follow the Lord and trust him for whatever blessings he gives. And you know what? If I try to find the Lord, you know what the promise is? This is Jeremiah 29. He said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. All your heart. You'll find him if you seek the Lord. You know, two points here. The Lord is the real treasure, not the blessings. The Lord is the treasure, and he's accessible. He's accessible to every person in this room. He's accessible to every person in this community, every person in the world. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so the next point is this. The Lord is the only reachable key that brings true freedom. And he's available and he's accessible. So how do you, how do you trust him today? Are you committed to him today with all your heart? So all your heart, what does all your heart mean? On a scale of, of, of all your heart, and all your heart scale, one meaning I'm abandoning God, and 10 meaning I've given him my whole heart, mind, soul, strength, everything. I'm giving everything to God. You know, one, if you're there at that one, say, you know, I've abandoned God. This is where I'm life. I want you to know I'm praying for you. And if you're at a 10 and you say you've given God everything, you're a liar, and I'm praying for you too. Because okay. <laughs> no one's a 10, Okay. No one's a Ted. We're all trying to be the best we can. But, but where are you? Are you five? What's it going to take to be a six? Are you a six? What's it going to take to be a seven or an eight or a nine? What's it going to take to be a little closer to God? Because I think all of us be, be, can be closer in, in giving ourselves to him. And so uh, I want to get close to him. And when I get close to him, the reality is I'm not getting close to someone who's going to be bringing a hammer of judgment down on me. I'm going to be coming to a father. He's the father of the captive. I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. This is the New Testament. And uh, this is what it says. Have you forgotten Hebrews 12 verse 5? And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My sons, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when approved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. When you come to that point of discipline, when you come to that point where you feel like you're in exile, you're walking through a hard path, let me tell you, if it's discipline, it's because the Lord loves you. He's, he is not primarily in your life right now at this point, the judge who's going to be bringing down justice. There's going to be a day when that happens. The Bible says there is going to be a judgment day. But right now, he's revealing himself to you as father, okay? And he's not here in your life to punish you. He wants to bring you to him. He wants to discipline you so you'll receive the best out of life. So whatever my exile is, remember, God is my father. God is my father. He will always be my good, good father. 
So this is the next point. In spite of my captivity, I'm loved by my heavenly Father. Now, if you're feeling like you're in exile, you feel like your life is not as good as it ought to be, you're, you're sort of outside of the mainstream of where you think the blessings should be, can I tell you you're in good company? There are a lot of people that are dealing with the same thing. As a matter of fact, almost every Bible hero of the faith felt the same way. And if I look at Hebrews chapter 11, it says this. Hebrews 11 verse 13, after it gives the catalog of the heroes of the faith, it says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. They followed God. They were faithful to God. They did not receive what was promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. Isn't that how we are? We're strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. We are looking for a homeland, okay? If they'd been thinking of that land from which they'd gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. I'm looking for a homeland, the best place that I'm going to be, but I'm not looking for another country on the face of this earth. 16, but as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. You know, to some degree, we're all exiles on earth, but we have a home. We have a home. And you know what that home is? It's heaven, where we're with our Father, okay? My home is heaven. My Father is the Lord. So the last point is this. Let my heart's desire be heaven, and let it be the Lord. You have a Father that will never leave you, and he will never die. You have a home that will never go away, never pass away. Problems come, problems go. Wars rage, storms blow. But keep your eyes on heaven and keep your heart on Jesus and he'll take care of the rest. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for giving us this word. Lord, as the children of Israel suffered their captivity and Lord, you grew part of them and removed part of them. Lord, I pray that through the trials of life that we, we deal with, Lord, that you would help us to grow in you and get closer to you because that's where true blessings are. And if there is someone here, Lord, that does not know you as Savior, someone that might recognize that, that you died for them, someone who might recognize that you came to earth and acknowledges that you came to earth and you're God's son, lived a sinless life, died for our sins, and, and maybe even that, that you're alive at the right hand of the Father. Lord, if there's someone in here that has not yet committed to you as Lord, has not committed to follow you as, as their Lord, the master of their life, has not committed to receiving forgiveness, Lord, I pray you take away any, any guilt, any shame, any stubbornness, any pride. And Lord, just restore what might be broken. And Lord, we give you the glory for everything good that's happening. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I invite you to stand right now. We're going to have a hymn of response, and people will come forward during this hymn, and they'll, they'll do several things. They'll come up here and say, Pastor, can you pray with me about this? I'll be glad to pray with you about something. You can always come and, and pray at the front here if you want to. Some people say, I'd like to get baptized, and some people say, I'd like to be a member of, of Anastasia Church, and, and if God's calling you to do any one of those things, feel free just to come up during the psalm and come talk to me, and we'll help you take that next step. One.
receive your blessing from God's word. To those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Go out now to seek the Lord himself and not just his blessings. And all God's people who committed to doing so said, amen. Amen.